Well, I'm continuing on the series on deception, being where, beware of deception, something that the, the Lord Jesus Christ warned his disciples, we his disciples, his followers, about deception. In the book of Matthew chapter 24, and several times in the, in, the, in the New Testament, the Bible warns God's people, God's church, concerning deception. The, the, the title, beware, means be careful, be on your guard, be alert concerning deception. So we've been looking at this, and this is the fourth in the series that are on deception. I'm not going to summarize everything because I've got a lot of things to talk about today. But essentially, deception, there are five different forms of deception. There's self-deception which is what we dealt with last week. We dealt with self-deception. And, and you want to go back online, go to YouTube, and see what the sermon was about because that will really give you insights as to whether you're deceiving yourself or not. Pride is one of the things that attracts self-deception. Also, when we hear the Word, we listen to the Word of God, but we don't do anything about it, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. So it says, don't be hearers only of the Word, but be doers or performers of the word lest you deceive yourself so we looked at self-deception there's also deception of sin there's also deception of riches riches can 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 deceive people into a false security that's why god said in his word what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul so sometimes there's deception of riches. There's also there's deception, self-deception, deception of sin, deception of riches. There's also deception, false teaching. Teachings and doctrines that can sometimes deceive us into believing things that are actually false or believing things that are wrong and that they, and then people believe that they are actually okay. The Bible prophesies that in the last days, the things that are right, people will think are wrong. The things that are wrong, people will think are right. So there's deception there as well. And then obviously, there's also deception of signs and wonders. And that's what I'm going to talk about to, today. Deceptive signs and wonders. Deceptive signs and wonders. Now, Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. A third of his ministry was, was just teaching, well, actually more than a third. A third was healing the sick and so on, at least a third. But he did a lot of teaching about the principles of the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom, about talking about the God and revealing him as father, so many things about the kingdom. But Jesus also manifested the kingdom. So he didn't just teach the word about the kingdom. He manifested the kingdom. And he manifested the kingdom with signs and wonders. So it was not just talk. There was action. There was demonstration of the power of God. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who oppressed of the devil. The Bible says that he was anointed by God to destroy the works of the evil one. And that was the demonstration of the power of God. Hallelujah. He did amazing miracles. Jesus turned water into wine. That was a miracle. Jesus walked on water. How many of you have walked on water of late? So that was a miracle. And he did it a few times as well, you know. So he walked on water. That was a miracle. Jesus raised quite a number of people from the dead. At least three people recorded were raised from the dead. And one person had been dead four days. And yet Jesus called back the spirit and that man came back out of that grave. Amen? And because Jesus was the resurrection and the life. He did amazing miracles. The blind were seeing. He touched blind people and they, their eyes popped open. Even those that had been born blind from birth, they were seeing. The lame were walking. The crippled were walking. The deaf were hearing. The dumb were speaking. Jesus cast out devils out of people. Setting people free because the anointing of God is demonstrated with power. Amen. So Jesus was all about 
signs and wonders and the power of God. And in fact, the Bible says that the, 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 the power of God, the manifestation of the kingdom was actually proof of who he said he was. Acts chapter 2.22 says, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. So signs and wonders demonstrated that he was the Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, he, it demonstrated that, yes, God has endorsed this individual. Now, when Jesus was leaving and he gave the authority to the disciples, he said he commanded them to preach the word of God everywhere they went and to the whole world. And he also said that signs and wonders would follow them. So we see in the book of Mark 16, 15, it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 17 said, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. These are signs. These are wonders. When you learn a language, when you speak a language you haven't learned before, speaking in tongues, that's a, a, a miracle. Amen? When you cast out devils and set people free, it's a miracle. So these are signs, he said, will follow those that believe. So Jesus was about signs and wonders, and he expects signs and wonders in these last days. Amen? The Holy Spirit confirmed signs that the preaching of the word was signs and wonders. So the Holy Spirit is about signs and wonders as well. Mark chapter 16 verse 20 says, And they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So basically, signs and wonders should be part of our existence as Christians. When we preach the kingdom, there has to be a demonstration and a manifestation of that kingdom. Are you hearing me so far? And that is why the, the early church preached the, the, the word of God and they prayed that the word of God would be accompanied by signs and wonders. We see their prayer in Acts chapter 4 verse 29. And that should be your prayer every single Sunday. This is what they prayed. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. I wonder what would happen if God's people gathered and prayed with all their hearts this prayer. But let your word be preached with boldness by the stretching forth of your hand that signs and wonders will be done through, through your servants and through the name of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if we started meeting on a regular basis and start praying this? That promise still stands. Amen? So signs and wonders is something that we should be seeing, we should be noticing more and more. The demonstration of signs and wonders is necessary for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. It's something that is necessary. Yet, Jesus and the epistles warn us that signs and wonders can deceive. Signs and wonders can mislead people, can take people into error. So in Matthew 24, 24, it says, false Christ." False prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Who are the elect? The chosen ones of God. Those that have given their hearts to the Lord. Those that believe in Jesus Christ. If 
possible signs and wonders will be shown by false prophets and false uh, Christ to deceive, if possible, the elect. In the last days, the Bible says that the Antichrist or, or you know, will, will also use signs and wonders to deceive the people on the earth. So these are warnings that are given. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one, who is the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now notice what it says here. The working of Satan. Could you just EQ me a little differently? I, I kind of sound a little uh, echoey here. The working of Satan. Think about that. But notice what it says. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. All that power and the working of Satan is to deceive. Is to deceive. So what does this teach us? It teaches us that Satan also has power. Satan also manifests signs and wonders, and he uses those things, if possible, to deceive. The kingdom of darkness does manifest supernatural power. And we're going to look at just two examples quickly in the Old Testament and New Testament. The first one in the Old Testament is the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, the Bible talks about Moses being sent by God to Pharaoh to let his people go so that they, they could worship him in the wilderness, Right? And God said, and Moses was kind of a little t intimidated and not sure of himself. And he said, you know, uh, what, what can I, what, you know, how can I, what should I say to Pharaoh? And, and God gave him his, the, he said, what is in your hand? It was a rod. And, and God told him certain signs that he could demonstrate to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh would pay attention. A sign is to get your attention. Amen. And so God said to Moses, you know, I'm going to bring certain signs through your rod and, and even through the rod of Aaron, you know, and it will get the attention of Pharaoh. So when Moses went to Pharaoh with Aaron, one of the first signs he showed was, you know, was uh, Aaron's rod was cast onto the floor and that rod became a serpent. It was a sign. How many of you know that if I'm holding a stick or a staff and then I put it on the ground and suddenly becomes a a snake, it will get your attention. Most of you will jump away and start speaking in tongues. Right? As you should. It's a sign. It's a wonder. It got the attention. But the interesting thing is the Bible says that Pharaoh called his Egyptian magicians and they did exactly the same sign and wonder. Acts 7.11 says, Pharaoh called in, in his own wise men and sorcerers. And these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. The same thing. Same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen. Now, that is a very key verse. Because they saw that, because Pharaoh saw the deceptive sign and the deceptive wonder, what it did was it hardened his heart. So he said, I'm not going to let these people go. It hardened his heart. Are you hearing me? Second sign that was shown by God. God told Moses to tell Aaron to, to touch the rivers of Egypt with his, with his staff. And he did so and became blood. The Egyptian magicians did exactly the same thing. So there were more bloodied rivers 
It was through magic. Then the third sign, God asked Moses to stretch forth his rod over the rivers of Egypt and to bring forth frogs onto the land. It says the frogs are going to be everywhere, in the palace, in the homes, in the ovens, everywhere. They're going to be frogs. The Egyptian magicians did exactly the same thing. The Bible says in Exodus 8-7, the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. And then, God asked Moses to tell Aaron to touch the, use his staff in the, you know, in the, in, on the land. And then lice or gnats came throughout the land. But the magicians could not do that. And they said, that is the finger of God. The point though is that they were able to show signs and wonders. Now obviously God's power is much, much, much more greater than the enemy's power. That's why Aaron's staff swallowed up the staffs of the magicians. God's power is always greater. Nevertheless, it shows that the enemy has power. Then you come to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we see this example where Paul goes to the, 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 the town of Philippi. And when he goes there... He's ministering, and as he's ministering, a slave girl who has a spirit of divination begins to follow Paul. Now, the spirit of divination is a, a spirit that is ability, is, has the ability to foretell the future. Okay? She was like a fortune teller or like a psychic. All right? So this girl is following it. So she has supernatural power to see. She had never met Paul or Silas before, but she could identify who they were, what their purpose was, and she, she identified, and you know what? It was true. Look at this account in Acts 16, 16. Now it happened as they went to, to, went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So basically, she was a slave girl and she was making money for their masters by telling people's fortunes. Okay? And notice what it goes on and says this. This girl followed Paul and asked and cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Church, that was true. They were servants of the Most High God. They were on a mission the Holy Spirit had sent them specifically to declare salvation to that city. But she was possessed of an evil spirit, a spirit of divination. It was from the other side. It was a sign, it was a wonder. Okay? So now most of us, if we see something like that, we'll say, wow, that person is so accurate. What word of knowledge. And then we are now open to listen to the next few things that they have to say. But what Satan was doing was setting them up to move away from Paul and Silas to this slave girl. Okay? So it goes on. Verse 18. Paul was greatly annoyed. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now notice that it was she. It was a slave girl. Right? And yet the Bible says, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. He, the spirit, that he came out of her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He cast 
out the devil because that that was a demonic spirit that was influencing them. Now we hear we get so many there's so much message here. Psychics, mediums, fortune tellers, and sometimes the church we think it's not a big deal. You go to a uh, some sort of a fair and then there's a fortune telling sign there. You think there's no harm and you go there. Folks, they may tell you your 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 past, they may tell you your future, but it's from the other side. It is counterfeit. There's the real thing, which is the word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, and there's counterfeit. We got to be alert. Which power are they operating by? The fact that they're telling you what's happened in the past or telling you about something that is in your house or whatever doesn't mean that it's from God. They may have accurate words of knowledge about where you live. Your telephone number, that's a sign. It's meant to get your attention. God uses that. So does the devil. So does the devil. Jesus warns about false prophets and false Christs, deceiving with signs and wonders. Matthew 24, 24. False Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs. Not little, little signs, but great signs and great wonders to deceive. So the question is, how can we be careful? How can we be alert? That's what this message is all about. I'm just going to do a few things, a few points here. There may be a lot more. But the very first thing I want to mention is this. Don't be afraid to test spiritual leaders in line with God's guidelines. Don't be afraid to check out spiritual leaders, whether they are pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Don't be afraid. The Bible actually commands us to test by the spirit by which people speak. Because the Bible wants us to be alert. And because there's so many um, false prophets and false teachers, the Bible is safeguarding. So the, one of the first things it says is, test them out. And I'm going to give you a scripture here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Then it says, you must test them. Who must test them? Who must test them? Yes. Now, obviously, as a church, we do our due diligence before somebody comes in here as a, prof a prophet or a teacher or an evangelist. We have to do the sifting. That's the first stage. But even when somebody comes, they may make a statement, then you have to do that test as well. You have to check it out. That's what the Berean Christians did. They checked out to see if what Paul the Apostle said was actually true. They checked it out themselves. So said, you test them to see the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. I wish they had written there a few, but it said there are many. So check them out. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Then he goes on in verse 2. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. So basically, the deity of Christ is one of the critical tests. Do they believe in the body um, that Jesus was God, the son of God? That is a critical test to see if somebody is a false prophet or not. But that's not the only one. But it's a critical one. In other words, and in fact, I'll just go on and mention this as well. 
In verse 5, it says, these people belong to this world. It says, so they speak from the world's viewpoints, and the world listens to them. What is their message? Is their message more the viewpoint of the world, or is it the viewpoint of the kingdom? Do they preach the world, or they preach culture? I find it interesting how it says the world listens to them. Sometimes these false teachers and false prophets, people love to listen to them. But the Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is sometimes an offense to those who are perishing. In other words, it can rub you the wrong way. Who likes to be told that they're a sinner? Nobody. But sometimes you have to speak truth and it may make you feel uncomfortable. Amen? So, 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 so the, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ as the, as the Son of God is a critical one. Do they believe that? That is one of the tests. In fact, when you look at Jesus' um, uh, letters to the churches, the Bible says that he commended the, the church of Ephesus. And he commended the church, you know, because they, or one of the things they did, which was to test to see if the apostles that came to that church were true apostles. So they check those apostles out. You know, Revelation chapter 2 verse 2 says this, You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and I found them liars. But, but he commended them for testing them. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have, and have found them liars. So one of the traits of this church in Ephesus is that they checked the apostles out. They did not consider everybody who called themselves an apostle an apostle. And Jesus had his thumbs up for that. So in other words, we, got not, we should not be afraid to test things out. Check it out. Amen? You're getting something so far. At the same way, in the same way, he rebuked the churches of Pergamos and Thyatira for, test, for failing to test, but embracing false prophets and false teaching. He rebuked them for that. 